six stupefying Sundays. You ready to hear a word from God today? Yeah. Just a word from Mark, but I've tried to hear from him and I'm gonna try to tell you what he told me to tell you. Have you noticed that dinners prepared in microwave ovens don't create very much mess? Notice that? Uh, we do not own a microwave oven and so dinners in our house are made from scratch and um, often make a mess. And I know this because I do the majority of the cooking in our house. And uh, when I'm, you know, in the middle of my thing, wifey comes home and, uh, and wifey says, ah, can't believe how much mess you make when you cook, right? No, she doesn't sound like that. She sounds way, way worse than that. And, um, and, and, and so it, it, it puts me off my mojo temporarily. But I say to her, listen, I do almost all the cooking here, so you're welcome. And you don't know this, she does. I also do all the dishwashing here. Right? There's a photo of me that Louis took this week. Um, this is nightly. This is me every single night in my house. After I've cooked and made the mess, I also clean up the mess. And all that wifey says is, you make such a mess when you're cooking dinner. Did, did, are you listening? I get beaten up for making a mess, right? Even though... You know, I know guys that wheel out their signature dish, which is code name for the only thing they know how to cook, uh, once a month, and then walk around for days waiting for the medal to be pinned, right? No, I cook, I cook most every night. And yeah, I might make a mess, but I also clean it up. So anybody that says, oh, you make such a mess when you cook, yeah, but I clean it up. So what difference is to you? Shut up and eat it. Stop picking on me. This... I think I need a lawyer. Debbie, if you can, if you can recommend any, not for Louie, I oh know, because this is a form of spousal abuse. I've seen it on today tonight, okay? Not as bad as this, but I've seen it. So, so here's the thing. Microwaves, meals don't create much mess. Home-cooked, great meals typically do. Let me give you a couple of, of examples. You, let's say you go to a friend's house. Put, put the next one up. So you, let's go to your friend's house and uh, for Sunday lunch, and uh, camera one over here is what's on the menu. And you, and you sit down and they say, whoa, whoa, okay, cool. Look, sit down, make yourself comfortable. Uh, here's some uh, lukewarm tap water. Uh, enjoy that. And uh, let, me just get, let me just get lunch ready. Boop, 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 boop. 90 seconds later. I don't know what sound microwaves like. I don't have one. But anyway, they beep apparently. So open it up and, and walks over and puts it. Oh, no, no, wait, 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 wait. Let me open that for you. Okay, cool. And here's a plastic fork. Uh, buon appetito. Or they give you multiple choice instead of having the delicious, nutritious, made with love, toiled over barilla, whole grain mezze penne, they said, or we could put in the oven long before you get here, some delicious pasture-raised chicken drumsticks from bailing up. 
marinated for 24 hours in garlic and rosemary, put into a beautiful enamel baking tray with some fresh lemons from my tree, tossed with some seasonal veg and slow oven roasted for an hour and a half, except for the last 10 minutes where we put the temperature up, take the top off and let it get a little bit of char and caramelization. Which would you prefer to eat? Microwave or oven roasted lunch? Which way? Please, for the love of God, do not put your hand up for microwave, okay? The, the team will not pray for you because even God can't fix you if you think that's a good thing. So here's my question. We often want easy, simple, quick fixes when we come to God. But I wanna ask you the question, would you want God to answer your prayers and craft your life behind the scenes with the minimum effort and the minimum fuss and the minimum mess? Or would you prefer that God put in a lot of time and a lot of effort and even allowed some mess because ultimately when there's a mess in the kitchen, it's a sign that the Creator is up to something great. Which would you prefer? Well, I know which I would prefer and I hope the answer is number two because if you can see past the mess, you learn to appreciate that you're about to taste something great. Now, if you open your Elevate app or your Bible app to Genesis chapter 16, let me dive into a story there. This story has three Key characters. The first one's a guy named Abram. Now, Abram at the time was an incredibly successful businessman, well known to his peers at the time. His wife was a lady named Sarai, and uh, being the wife of Abraham, whatever she wanted, she could get. And so, to her uh, friends and family and, and neighbors and so on, it appeared she had everything. And then there was a third character in this story, or is a third character in this story, a young girl, an Egyptian uh, girl named Hagar, who was actually Sarai's maid. Okay, so there's the three characters, Abraham, successful businessman, Sarai, his wife, and Hagar, Sarai's maid. Now, they were old, okay? At this point in the story, when we pick up this story, they were old. Not 40-something old, which by the way, isn't old. Don't even think about telling me it is. They were 80-something old, okay? And they hadn't had any kids yet, right? So when you get into your 80s, okay, you typically aren't trying to have kids for the first time. Statistically, that's how I understand these things go down. But what had happened in the case of Abram and Sarai is 10 years prior to this story, when they're in their 70s, God had actually appeared to them and promised them that they would have their first child. And in fact, said to them that they will have descendants more numerous than the sand on the sea shore and the stars in the sky. That's a whole lot of descendants. So there was a pretty big whopping promise there that God had given them, right? Let me pick up the story 10 years after that promise. Sarai, Abram's wife, hadn't yet produced a child. She had an Egyptian maid, however, named Hagar. And Sarai said to Abram, God's not seen fit to let me have a child. So here's the deal. You sleep with my maid and maybe I can get a family from her. So Abram agreed to do what Sarai said. So Sarai, Abraham's wife, took her Egyptian maid, 
Hagar, and gave her to her husband Abram as a wife, which would have been culturally acceptable in that time, by the way. So don't get all weirded out. In that time, in that setting, that would have been culturally acceptable for, for if your wife can't produce, that you can actually take your wife's maid and create a family out of her. Can I just say though, by the way, just because something's culturally appropriate doesn't mean it's God's best. That still rings true today. You probably wanna write that down. Abram had been living 10 years in Canaan when this took place. He slept with Hagar and she got pregnant. When Hagar learned she was pregnant, she looked down on her mistress. Sarai told Abram, it's all your fault that I'm suffering this abuse. I put my maid in bed with you. And the minute she knows she's pregnant, she treats me like a nothing, nothing. May God decide which of us is right. And Abraham, typically cool, collected male, said, you decide. Now, a little bit of bonus content there, by the way. Sometimes we screw up and we say, God, you fix it. And he says, no, no, you fix it. Because if I just go around fixing everything that you created, you're never gonna learn anything. It's a thing called responsibility. Fixing everyone else's problems all the time is a thing called enabling. It's not always good. Sometimes God intervenes, I know, but sometimes God helps us unravel the stuff that we created. And so Abram said, no, leave God out of this. You decide. Your maid's your business. Well, Sarah was abusive to Hagar and Hagar ran away. An angel of God found Hagar beside a spring in the desert. It was a spring on the road to Shur. And he said, Hagar, maid of Sarai, what are you doing here? She said, I'm running away from Sarai, my mistress. The angel of God said, go back to your mistress. Put up with her abuse. Hmm. Hmm. He continued, but I'm gonna give you a big family. Children past counting. All of the, this could have been a reality TV show, okay? Far worse than the Kardashians, keeping up with the Kardashians. This was like, this was some dysfunctional stuff, okay? And it all started right back in the beginning with the writer recorded that Sarai hadn't yet had a child. They had a promise, but they hadn't yet had a child. And so Sarai, after 10 years of waiting, decided she was gonna help God out give God a leg up just to hurry things up because, you know, 10 years is enough and unfortunately ended up making a bigger mess. You know those uh, uh, road signs, the ones on, on the red trailers that pop up and they've got the orange uh, LED kind of uh, displays on? There's one just around the corner now um, warning you to keep your cars locked when you're not in them. <laughs> oh, thanks, wouldn't have thought of that. Uh, Anyway, you often see them on major uh, arterial roads where there's, there's roadworks going to be happening and it says expect delays and it tells you the dates, right? Ever seen them? Expect... Have you ever thought about those signs when it says expect delays? Have you ever, have you, they, technically, they're not helpful because when those dates actually come around, you're going to get the delays, you have no control over the delays. There are going to be the delays and they put a sign up and tell you a couple of weeks ahead of time, expect delays. Not maybe, just expect them and you've got no control over the fact that there are delays. So what's the point of the signs? Well, here's the point of the signs. The point of the signs is when we expect something that ends up inconveniencing us, our frustration levels, maybe aren't absent, but they're lower, Right? It's like, oh yeah, you get there. Huh. Oh yeah, the sign. 
Absolutely. Thank you. God had given Abram and Sarai a promise of a child, but had forgot to tell them to expect delays. And so 10 years in, they'd gotten sick of waiting and decided to help God out. And the important takeaway from this is how we deal with delays determines how we experience our destiny. See, there was frustration caused by the waiting here, but the frustrations were different for each of the three characters. And I think we can relate in some respect to each one of these three characters. See, Abram, he was frustrated because he was expecting something from Sarai that she was unable to produce. Have you ever had someone in your life that you'd, you were hoping something from them? You were waiting for something from them? You'd asked something from them? You might've even got a guarantee from them and yet, and yet at a point down the road, they still hadn't delivered what you were expecting. That's frustrating for you, the, the one who is waiting. But, but see, Sarai was also frustrated because she wanted to produce a child. It's not like she was holding out. She wanted to. She wanted this promise from God to come true and she wanted God to use her to produce this child. And so she was frustrated that she couldn't do what she wanted to do that her husband was wanting her to do. Ever been in that situation where, where you want to do something, but you don't have the skills or the time or the resources? It's frustrating. You've got the desire, you've got the intent, but it's a not yet situation. That gets frustrating. And then Hagar she got the short end of this stick because she's now carrying around a problem that she had no part in the decision making to create the problem. Ever been in that situation? Someone else has made a decision that's affected you, that's caused something to go wrong in your life, whether it's a, a boss or a family member. It's frustrating. It's like, I didn't know anything. And yet you're the one walking around carrying the baby. It's frustrating. Here's a very important distinction. Even when a situation is outside your control, you still have a choice. Sometimes our, our, our situation can seem so far outside our control and our frustration levels can seem so high that we actually think that there's nothing we can do in that situation. And yet there is always something we can do in that city. We can't control everything, but we can almost always control something. And so our choice doesn't actually have to do with the stuff we can't control. Our choice is what are we gonna do with the things that we can control? Two weeks ago, some of you remember, I may eventually run out of stories from this, but Stewie the Splits Roberts and I uh, uh, participated in a, a local event called the Five Dams Challenge. It's a, a cycling event here where... Uh, Groups of two uh, morons decide to uh, pay money to someone else for the pleasure of riding for 240 kilometres up past the five dams in the hills with uh, nearly 3,000 metres of climbing within an allotted time. Uh, and did I say we actually pay for the privilege? And, um, and so Stu and I did the training leading up to that. And uh, for a big challenge, any challenge, but an endurance challenge as well, you don't just train for the physical side because you, you know that's gonna be tough. You've got to train for that. But you've also got to train for the mental side. And so I was uh, both training with Stewie and, and coaching him. This was a, a bigger um, uh, slice of challenge that he'd taken on before in the endurance world. And 
Last week, I mentioned that one of the pieces of, uh, of mental training advice that I gave Stewie was, was embrace the suck. That there will be times, you know, in this 10 hour give or take uh, challenge that it's gonna suck. It's gonna be hot, it got to 35 degrees, that pretty much sucked. Uh, there's gonna be, because of where we are, there's gonna be parts of the road that are what we call a chipped seal surface, a chipped seal surface, which if you're in a car, you don't notice. If you're on a bike with 23 mil wide tyres, you notice every one of them. It goes like this. Fillings falling out, bottle rockets launching, horrible. We experienced one of those between Canning Dam and the turn off at Geraldale Road on Albany Highway whilst road trains were going by and they don't believe that a metre matters. No, no. They believe that catching you in their slipstream and seeing you somehow getting launched into the air, tumbling head on head while they look in their rear view mirror is hilarious. It's not. So embrace the suck. It's gonna suck. You can't control that. Embrace the suck. Part two of my advice, which was a dovetail is that, with that advice, is this. Remember, misery is a choice. Misery is a choice. It will suck. Embrace it. Don't quit. Your frustration is a sign that you haven't quit. You can quit. You won't be frustrated anymore. Don't quit. But also, misery is a choice. Did you know that? Misery is a choice. You can be facing headwinds in your life that you have no control over, but misery is a choice. Trust is a choice. You don't have necessarily control over the circumstances, but you have trust over what's going on the inside. Trust is a choice. Joy is a choice. Peace is a choice. And, 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 and one of the, 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 the kind of one-two punch problems that we often make the mistake of doing is we often overestimate how much control we have in life and therefore often get disappointed and frustrated and underestimate how much choice we have and find ourselves in an even further downward spiral as a result of the frustration. So in this story, two of the, the characters chose different responses, made different choices to their frustration. The first one, Sarai, she's what I call a forcer. She decided God seems to be sitting around on a banana lounge doing nothing. So I'm gonna give him a hand. I'm gonna force this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna help him out. And uh, she took matters into her own hands. Now, I'm an activist, okay? I get this. And before you start sipping on your haterade and spitting it all over Sarai, you gotta understand, at least she had a can-do attitude, right? At least she thought, well, if God's not gonna do anything, maybe I'll do something. And the problem wasn't her motivation, the problem was her method. And we can make that same mistake as well. We can have the right motives, but the wrong approach in the wrong timing and make things even worse, forcing the issue. And I heard this statement this week and it's like, wow. One preacher said, the only thing harder than waiting on God is wishing you had. Don't ever let the fact that you're not in control of everything lead you to believe you don't have a choice in anything. And then Hagar, she wasn't a forcer, she was a fleer. A fleer, a word that Shakespeare actually invented. 
a fleer. Parting is such sweet sorrow. Amore. An angel of God found Hagar beside a spring in the desert. It was a spring on the road to Shur. And he said, Hagar, mate of Sarai, what are you doing here? Hagar said, I'm running away from Sarai, my mistress. So we've got Sarai of Forza and Hagar of Flea. The problem is they're gonna both miss out on what God wanted to do. Forces miss out because they try to substitute their solution for God's. And Fleas miss out on God's solution because they're not there to see it when God eventually comes around. God's delays aren't always God's denials. We need to understand that. And so, yeah, this could be a reality TV show. And I think one of the takeaways of this story is it reminds us that you don't have to have it all together for God to use you. You keep reading about Abram and Sarai. They're pretty epic. They're a couple of full-on heavyweights. And yet they didn't have it all together. They screwed up just like you and I do. It is funny to me though, this story. A lot of stuff in the Bible is funny to me. Like funny, funny. For example, uh, <laughs> Abraham's angry at his 70 something year old wife for forcing him to engage in sexual relations with her pretty young Egyptian maid. Sarai says, uh, Abram, I need you to sleep with, uh, with Hagar. And Abram says, well, okay then, honey, if you insist, I'll take one for the team. And he's angry. I, I mean, if you understand a little of how this works, and those of you that aren't married, I hope you don't. Uh, technically, Abraham, there's no way technically, biologically, uh, physically, uh, Sarah could have forced Abraham to. Yeah. Uh, then, <laughs> this is funny. Sarah... <laughs> Sarai was angry at Abram for Abram doing what she asked him to do. <laughs> Sarai, you know, now her maid's pregnant and Sarai gets up in his grill and says, who told you to do that? <laughs> and he's like, what? You did. <laughs> and she goes, so? <laughs> and, and then it's funny to me because Hagar is the only one that more or less didn't do anything wrong because as I said, culturally, it would have been appropriate and somewhat expected of her to sleep with Abram. And yet of the three characters, she was the only one that God corrected. It was pretty funny. You, you actually were the blameless Victim, you, you actually didn't cause this situation to happen. You would have been required to sleep with your maid's, uh, your um, boss's uh, husband, and yet God comes down on you. What's that all about? So she's fleed and, 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 and blaming. 
have you ever been in that situation? Something's happened to you that, that you didn't cause and you spend your time blaming. The problem is when we sit around blaming, we actually can miss seeing God's blessing. Because here's how the story unfolded. The angel of God said to Hagar, go back to your mistress and put up with her abuse. That's not, doesn't sound like good news right there. This is from the message version. Another version called the English Standard Version says, go back to your mistress and submit to her. And there's a principle in there that God's more interested in our submission than our solution. See, both Sarai and Hagar had, had tried to speed things up, had tried to, tried to get things going. And, and Hagar and, and, and God's, His promise to Abram and Sarai, it still rang true. Even though it had been given 10 years ago and even though in this particular moment in time, they'd mucked it up, they'd fumbled the ball, they got things going a bit too soon. The promise still rang true and you can read ahead to find out how that played out. But it also rang true in Hagar's life because the angel of God said, Continued, I'm going to give you a big family, children past counting. <clears throat> so one of the things that we're focusing on in these six stupefying Sundays, uh, on the surface it seems paradoxical, but one of the things that we're focusing on is not just looking to get God to answer our prayers in our time, but actually over these six Sundays to to increase our perspective of God at work in our lives, even when our lives aren't perfect, which they never will be. So I encourage you to access our special ops prayer guys after our live experience. If you have kids in Elevate Kids, go and check them out first, then come back and the team will still be there to pray for you. I wanna ask a question and I wanna pray for some people this morning. And I wanna pray for people who've never made a decision to, to follow Jesus. We wanna give you that chance right now, give you that opportunity right now. And it's the most important yes to God that you'll ever say. Yes, God, I wanna have a relationship with you. Yes, God, I wanna follow you. And if you've never said yes to Him for that, we wanna give you that opportunity right here, right now. And all I want you to do in a moment for those of you who've never said yes to following Jesus, I want you to put your hand up in a moment, put your hand up. And when I see a hand, you can put it down and then we're gonna pray. So let me just look around our auditorium now. For those of you that have never said yes to following Jesus, just put your hand up right now. When I see a hand, you can put it down and then we'll pray. <clears throat>